Aren't we blessed? Yes, we are. Uh, There was more to that, but, you know, we are blessed indeed. And so, yes is the right answer, but aren't we blessed to have so many capable song leaders in our midst? Yes, amen. I'm thankful for all the ones who get up here and who lead us before the throne room of God for Frank and for Rick and for Brooks and for Alex and for so many others who do such a fine job in leading our worship. Um, I'm thankful uh, that we have so many capable song leaders in our midst. I'm thankful that you're here today for uh, this celebration, which is what worship is. We've come together to celebrate our God and Father and the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ. This morning is our final sermon in the book of Philippians. And that's when you're supposed to say, aww, but you didn't do it, so I'll just pretend like you did. Yes, 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 it's our final Philippian sermon this morning, although we could easily keep going because we're going to end up leaving out a lot of good stuff here, like chapter 3, verse 19, when Paul talks about the enemies of the cross of Christ, and he says their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. And then in the next verse, he contrasts this group with those who have submitted themselves to the cross of Christ, who depend on the cross for their salvation. Paul says, for these people, their citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to have to skip over those wonderful verses. Someday we'll come back, but at least not in this series. We're also going to miss out on chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, where Paul tells us, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Wisdom, counsel that we all need to hear from time to time. And Paul says, if we do that, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then, what about verse 8? A favorite? Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, if there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, what does Paul say to do? Think about such things. We're skipping over all of these verses. And we're skipping over chapter 4, verse 4 as well. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Now, we're not going to camp out on that verse per se, but really, we're not skipping over that verse, because that really has been the theme of this entire lesson series. We have been tracing the theme of joy throughout this letter of Paul to the church at Philippi, and we've talked about how Paul tells us we should find joy in this process of spiritual growth that God has begun in us and that he will bring to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. And we should find joy in the proclamation of the gospel and the peace and the unity that we are to experience as Christians. We should rejoice that we have the promise that if we humble ourselves before God, He will exalt us. We should rejoice that in this practice of our new salvation lifestyle that we have submitted to. We find joy in the powerful examples of Christian mentors, whether in the Bible or in our own lives. We find joy in 
placing our confidence not in the flesh, not in ourselves, but in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. And then last week, we talked about finding joy in pressing on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of those things and more should bring us joy and should bring sunshine to our souls. Now to close this morning, we're going to be talking about what I believe is the most famous verse in Philippians. There are a lot of popular verses, a lot of famous verses, but I believe this one takes the cake, and it is Philippians 4.13. And a lot of people know this verse, even people who never read their Bible and never darken the door of a church building and and don't really have much of a faith to speak of, they know Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Him or through Christ who strengthens me. Everybody seems to love this verse. If you go to Google and you click on the shopping tab and you type in Philippians 4.13, all sorts of products come up that feature this verse. You can get necklaces, bracelets, water bottles, uh, tank tops if, you, if you'd like, magnets, clocks, baseball key rings, tote bags. You name it, you can buy it with Philippians 4.13 featured on it. Many of you are familiar with Steph Curry. I'm not much of a basketball fan or an athletic person at all, but I am told that he is, the, I know this at least, he's the point guard for the Golden State Warriors. And he's also somebody who's very outspoken about his Christian faith. And he's made no attempt to hide that his favorite Bible verse, uh, Steph Curry's favorite verse from Scripture is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And in fact, if you want to buy a pair of his Curry 1 basketball shoes that Under Armour puts out, there is a lace loop on the back of some of those scripted with four. 13. Another figure from the athletic world is Tim Tebow. In 2009, Tebow appeared, he was at this time quarterback for the Florida Gators, and he appeared on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Uh, He was out on the field, squatting in uniform, determination in his eyes, the ball in his hands, and now wearing his now iconic eye black with Phil on one side and 413 on the other. Very popular verse. Very well-known verse. Everybody seems to love this verse. And a lot of people use it as a kind of magical formula, it seems to me, that unlocks the door to personal potential or to personal success or achievement. Uh, Even some Christians use it this way. I mean, listen to this devotional thought that Joel Osteen wrote on Philippians 4.13, Joel is the pastor of the largest megachurch in America, the Lakewood Church, that is housed in the old Houston Rockets um, arena in downtown Houston. Listen to what he writes. Most people tend to magnify their limitations. They focus on their shortcomings. But Scripture makes it plain. All things are possible to those who believe. That's right. It's possible to see your dreams fulfilled possible to overcome that obstacle. It's possible to climb new heights. It's possible to embrace your destiny. You may not know how it will all take place. You may not have a plan, but all you have to know is that if God said you can, then you can. 
to Mr. Osteen the all things mentioned in this verse that we can accomplish or that we can do by the strength of Christ includes achieving your dreams, climbing to new heights, and embracing your destiny. And so a lot of people would have us to believe that we go to this verse when we, when we want to accomplish something. And we ask God to give us the strength to do whatever it is we want to do right when we want to do it. And so do you want to excel as an athlete or a performer? Do you want to ace that test? Do you want to find your soulmate? Do you want to make more money? Well, then this is the verse for you. This is the verse for you. This is the promise that you've been looking for because you can do all things through Christ. But is this really what Paul has in mind when he writes this to the Philippian church? To really understand this verse, to understand the message that it's teaching us, we must go back to the beginning of this section and view it in its context. So if you would, if you haven't already, I want you to grab a Bible and open it up to Philippians chapter 4, and I've got some of the text up here to help you out. Philippians 4, 13, but what we often forget is that there are some verses that precede verse 13. There's verse 10 and 11 and 12, and we're going to start in verse 10, which is the beginning of this section. Read this with me. Paul says, I rejoice. There it is again. Paul just can't seem to stop rejoicing. Every time we turn the corner in this book, he is rejoicing over something different. He is a man full of joy because of Jesus Christ. He says this here, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Paul is praising the Philippian Christians here for always having concern for him. In fact, if we go back to chapter 1 and verse 5, we see that the Philippian church, these brothers and sisters in this city, have been partners in the gospel from day one. You know, in some letters of Paul, Paul talks to the Christians that that he's writing to, as a father would to a child. Not the Philippians. Paul speaks to these Christians as if they are partners in this cause that they're all undertaking together. He says, you have been with me from the very beginning. You have always had concern for me and for my ministry and for the preaching of the gospel, but only recently have you been given opportunity to show that concern. And they showed Paul their great concern for him with a generous financial gift to support him and his ministry. Look with me, skip all the way down to verse 18. This is not on the slide. Philippians 4 verse 18. He says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied having received from Epaphroditus, who is with Paul at this point, but He's a hometown Philippian boy. He is the messenger of this church. He's traveling with Paul. And when he came to meet Paul, he came with this great gift from this church. And Paul says, I've received it. You have taken care of me quite well. And I am greatly appreciate, uh, greatly appreciative for your concern. And then he says something that you don't often hear from people who receive financial gifts. Look with me in verse 11, just the first part. He says, I'm thankful for your concern. You 
have been given a great opportunity and you've, you've seized it by giving me this money. Not that I'm speaking of being in need. In other words, I didn't need it, per se. Now that is a bit surprising. Because people who receive financial gifts don't often say this. In a recent interview, the current president of Stanford University out in California, his name is John Hennessy, he was asked a hypothetical question, and here it is. If someone like Bill Gates or some other big billionaire were to come to you and say, I want to give you a gift of $10 billion, I have left everything in my will to you for $10 billion, would you say, no, we don't really need the money? Or would you say, yes, we can put that money to good use? Now, just to keep things in perspective, $10 billion is the economic output of an average country in the Caribbean. And on top of that, Stanford University's endowment is over twice that much at $22.2 billion. So it's nearly impossible for this Ivy League school to ever run out of money. And most certainly, they don't really need another $10 billion. But listen to the answer of their president. After thinking a moment or two, John Hennessy says this, you know, the one area where there is an opportunity for significant funding is in the biomedical sciences. I could spend it in biomedical sciences. In other words, the president of Stanford said, we could totally use another $10 billion. And we most certainly wouldn't say to somebody offering it, no, we don't need it. Now take Paul, who has few far far fewer financial resources than Stanford. In fact, there's not even language to to talk about the difference here. And yet he says here, I really didn't need it. What in the world, Paul? This is very surprising for somebody who's just received money to say this. Paul says, yes, it would help me. And yes, it would help advance the cause of Christ. But if I didn't have it, then I would be fine without it. Well, why is that? Well, Paul answers this question in the latter part of verse 11 and verse 12. Paul says, the reason is, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Have we learned that, church? In whatever situation we're in, to be content? To be at peace with our surroundings? Paul says, I figured it out. I've learned how to be content, no matter what. He goes on in verse 12. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and facing hunger, of abundance and need. So Paul says, I'd be fine without the money. I appreciate the money, but I'd be fine without it because I know how to be at peace in any situation. I know how to be full. I know how to be hungry. I know how to have a lot. I know how to have a little. I know how to be free, but I can also be in prison and I can still be content and I can still be at peace. And so if you want to give me the money, fine, it'll be helpful. But if not, I don't really need it. I'd be fine without it because I am content. And he says here, I have learned the secret of being content. And we want to know immediately, what's the secret, Paul? We always want to know the secret behind something. 
What's the secret to losing weight? What's the secret to success? As if there's some magical unknown answer out there, but the answer always ends up being very obvious. The answer is very obvious here. It's not anything that's been hidden to us. It's right before our eyes. The secret to being content is Jesus Christ. That's the big secret. That's what Paul says here. That's how I'm able to be at peace, to be content, because of Jesus. And then comes verse 13. After this section, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, it may be the rendering here that's tripping us up, the way that it's translated in most of our Bibles. I need to tell you something about this because the Greek verb to do, which we see the English word do in most all of our translations, this Greek verb is nowhere to be found in this verse. Instead, what we find in the original translation is, or the the, uh, original version is, the verb iskuo, which means instead to be able, to be strong. And so the idea here is not, I can accomplish a lot, I can do a lot through Christ who gives me strength. It is I am strong enough to make it through all things, whatever life throws at me, in Him who strengthens me. And so when we read this verse in its context, and when we understand the original wording in the original language, we are reminded of what this verse teaches and what it does not teach. This is not God will give me the power for whatever I do, whenever I want to do it. If I want to do something, all I have to do is rely on Christ and I'll be able to do it. I'll be able to accomplish it. It's not that. Instead, it's God will help me endure whatever I go through, whether good or bad, whether negative or positive. If I'm seeking to do His will, He'll be with me and He'll help me to endure whatever I face in this life. It's not God will always create a favorable outcome for me as long as I follow Him. Instead, it's God will sustain me through unfavorable circumstances. It's not you can achieve your dreams through Christ, which is what Joel Osteen seemed to say earlier. Shoot for the stars. You can achieve your Dreams, you can reach your destiny. No, it's you can be content. You can be at peace even when your dreams are crushed. This verse is not go out and conquer the world. It's I will be with you even when the world conquers you. Paul gets it. He gets that he can constantly depend on Christ regardless of his station in life. And this verse is not about his aspirations and his personal goals and what he desires to accomplish. This verse is about what he wants to accomplish for Christ, not what he wants to accomplish with the help of Christ. This verse is about God's will, not his will. And he focuses on Christ's achievements for him and not his achievements with the help of Christ. So, This ought to change our paradigm when we view this verse. We view this verse through American eyes. And we think about all the messages that the politicians give us about chasing our dreams and pursuing happiness. And we think the gospel plays into that and and supports that. 
But our lives are not about chasing our own dreams and fulfilling our own goals. Our lives are about fulfilling God's purpose. Our lives are about following God's will. And this verse is a reminder that no matter what life throws at us, God will give us the strength to continue doing that. Paul gets it. Paul gets it. And you know who else gets it? Tim Tebow actually gets this. I mentioned him earlier with the eye black, but I was interested to hear in an interview uh, when he explained his love for Philippians 4.13. Listen to what he says. So many people believe that this verse means I can do a lot of things. But what I believe it means in the context is I can handle all things. He's on the right track here. Whatever position God has put me in, maybe it's poverty, maybe it's sickness, maybe my kid is sick. God's going to give me the strength to handle that. It's more talking about handling adversity or handling praise than accomplishing much. It's more about how I can endure whatever goes on in my life because of Christ. It's much more about that than it is, if anything, about accomplishing or doing something that I want to do with Christ's help. You know who else got this verse? My grandmother understood this verse. My Nana. When she was dying of cancer, when the cancer slowly ravaged her body and the pain became terribly excruciating, even to the point that the pain meds could not cut through the threshold, she began reciting a verse from the Scriptures that reminded her that she could make it through anything with God by her side. And she began saying to herself in her final days, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Even have cancer. Even go to jail. Even be persecuted for my faith. Even be made fun of or mocked because of what I believe. I can make it through those things because Christ gives me the strength that I need. You know, I think the truth about this verse is actually better than what we've heard. I think this is actually good news. This is better news than what's out there about all of these aspirations and achievements that we want to accomplish by the strength of Christ. The truth is better because we don't need a God who helps us achieve our will. I mean, what are our goals after all? Paltry. They're not going to amount to anything of eternal significance. What we need is a God who sustains us, not while we go out chasing our dreams, but while we do His will. I don't need God to support me in following my dreams. I need God to help me endure while I attempt to fulfill His will. And as we do that, we need, sometimes we need strength to survive our moments of weakness. And we need a sense of freedom even when we're, when we're in life's prisons. And Paul literally was in prison. And even there, he could say, I've learned the secret of being content. I can be at peace wherever I am. And it's because of Jesus Christ. I can go through anything. I can endure anything. God will sustain me. Because Jesus Christ gives me strength. Lou Gehrig, they called him the Iron Horse. And as a first baseman for the New York Yankees, 
He played 2,130 straight games. But on May the 2nd, 1939, he voluntarily benched himself because his quality of play had so drastically deteriorated. And just two weeks after his benching, Gehrig was diagnosed with the fatal disease ALS, which is what is commonly known today as Lou Gehrig's disease. As a man in his early 30s, mid-30s, he was given only three years to live. But when the Yankees organization found out about this, they scheduled Lou Gehrig Appreciation Day for July 4th, 1939. And on that day, on that hot summer day, every single seat in Yankee Stadium was filled. The place was packed. Several officials and players they brought up in the middle of the stadium on the microphone to talk about their affection for Lou Gehrig and what he meant to them. And finally, it came time for Gehrig himself to speak. And just in that short time, the effects of the disease were already having, having their way with him. And as he went, made his way out to the microphone, he was stooped. He was in obvious pain and discomfort. And it was a moment that many said later even made some of these hardened journalists and photographers cry. And when he got up to the microphone, the place, you could hear a pin drop in Yankee Stadium. The place was very quiet. And he began to, this is what he said as he began to speak, his voice echoing across the stadium. Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of this earth. I might have been given a bad break, but I've got an awful lot to live for. What I hear Paul saying in our passage is, I consider myself the most blessed man on the face of this earth because of Jesus Christ. And I may be given a bad break once in a a while. And I may have to endure some pretty hard stuff. But as I seek to do the will of my Father, I know that I'll be able to endure whatever I have to go through because I'll have the help of Jesus Christ. Do you need that kind of help in your life? Have you been chasing after your own dreams, but now you have come to realize, for what? What is that going to get me? I need to live for something bigger than myself. God invites you to that. You can live a life chasing after His will. You can live a life that's going to make a difference beyond just your earthly life. You can impact eternity by submitting your life to the gospel. And as you travel this road, and as you seek to do God's will every step of the way, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that no matter what you face, you'll be able to be sustained by the strength that Jesus Christ can bring to each of us. If you need to come and give your life to Jesus today, don't wait another second. You have a chance to do it. If you need to come and ask for prayers that God would strengthen your faith, that He would set you on fire for Him again, it's a great time to do that too. We're more than happy to help lift you up before the Father and give you a big hug and offer you the encouragement on your spiritual walk that you need. 
If you need to make things right with God today, here's your, ch- here's your chance. Here's your shot. Don't waste it. Come as we stand and sing.